0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky. And this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it inspires you. And I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number four, the final week of our series. It's complicated. And we're talking all about relationships for the month of February. It's a great month to talk about them. And we're talking all about relationships, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're single, maybe you're just friends with people. Um, We just can all agree on the fact that no matter what kind of relationship you have with people, it has a tendency to get complicated very, very fast. But God's way is a better way, and in fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 9, uh, it says this, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, this is God saying this to us, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so if we uh, approach relationships God's way, it doesn't really necessarily have to be as complicated as we try to make it out to be. In fact, we say it like this, that in order for relationships to work, we have to let the one who designed them define them. We have to let the one who designed them define them. And so we're in our final week, um, and I've been having a great time, and uh, all of you single people out there, you can rejoice, because you've been like, I've been sitting for three weeks listening to you talk about all these lovey-dovey marriage stuff, relationships, and what's in it for me? Well, today is your day, because I'm going to be talking specifically to you today. Um, I love rom-coms. Just going to put it out there. I love romantic comedies. Judge me if you want to. You know you probably watch them in the comfort of your own home and don't tell anybody about it. All you guys, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I love romance movies, and uh, and I, I just can't help it. You know, I'm like, I'm a sap. Like, I just, I... I believe in love, okay? Just sue me. I believe in love. But the typical um, romantic comedy really just follows like the same few basic plots. If you've seen one, you've pretty much seen them all, right? So like a man and a woman, they meet, and there's probably some like immediate friction between them, right? The first, first meeting, they never like each other. Um, and then they find out maybe later on down in just a few minutes that they're supposed to now work together, and they're supposed to be co-workers on something that over time, they form this close relationship. They win each other over. And then, of course, you have the conflict, right? You've, you, it, something comes in, and it drives these two people apart that were starting to fall for each other. Drives them apart. Maybe it's a friend or it's a family member that says something. Um, and then they realize, we're supposed to be together the whole time. We were made for each other, and then they're, you know, they get back together in some kind of grand event that happens. And then they kiss, and then the, there's this slow pan out, and then the movie ends. Or like maybe they were like childhood friends, and they'd be se- they've been separated for years. They come back together, and one of them is dating the wrong person. I know the suspense. So eventually... They break up, right? The the people, and you know how that goes after that. The one guy wins over the other girl, and they end up kissing, and then movie over. And they're all along the same lines. They all have the same basic plot, especially the Hallmark Channel. If you've ever watched one Hallmark movie for one year... You've watched every Hallmark movie for every year. In fact, they, they recycle the same actors and actresses for every single movie. So I love it when Christmas time starts rolling around. Hallmark pumps out their new 72 movies for that year. Who knows how they make that many movies? And I guess I know because they don't have to hire new writers. They just can recycle their stories. And they all have the same plot and it's all like the same actors and actresses. But all of these romance movies... They're all about one person finding the right person, right? It's all about, however you shake it out, however you, you look at it, it's all about centered around one person finding another person that happens to be the right person. And so um, they meet someone they're supposed, they know they're supposed to be together in the movie. Like, it takes them an hour and 45 minutes to figure it out. But you knew immediately, right, that they're supposed to be together. And, uh, and they finally get together, they kiss. What happens? Movie over, no one makes movies about staying single. Like what kind of movie would be nobody sells movies about a, a 23 or the 30 years that it takes to find your spouse. No one makes those movies and no one sells them. Why? Because in the eyes of society it's boring, right? Like n- nobody cares about the the before they just want i just want the juicy stuff right like nobody cares about the single life because single doesn't sell single doesn't sell and and being single is is not every young man and woman's dream in life i don't really know too many young people that grow that while they're growing up they're like my dream is to just be single my entire life There's that i know that are like that like being, being single is not necessarily a fun time for a lot of people. It's a lonely time, and and actually being single can be really really complicated. Um, I think I can speak on this subject just because in my lifespan I've actually been I was I've been single longer than I've been married. So I still have you know the grounds to speak into the single life. Um, I'm 30 years old and I've spent more than 15 years uh, single. My wife and I've been married for. Uh, seven years. This year will be eight in December. I got it right. You guys, you got to get it right. I didn't have that in my notes because I was scared to say it and say it wrong. But hey, I got it right. Thank you. No applause needed. Um, my wife's dead eyeing me in the back. She's like, you better have gotten it right. Uh, but, but being single is complicated. Especially as society pushes this culture on you. This, the pursuit of people is always marriage and kids. No one ever pursues the single life. No one ever chooses it. People pursue the spring break flings. They pursue the summer flings. They pursue the high school sweethearts and the college love stories and the marriage and the family and the life together. The pursuit is never about singleness. The pursuit is always about finding the right one. It's always about finding The right one, and culture projects these ideas on us about seeking, about dating, marrying, um, and starting a family with the one, right that that special right person. And honestly, culture really projects some myths, I think, onto us about it. So I want to let's talk about just a couple of these myths this morning. First one being this: that um, when I find the right person then everything will be fine, right? When I find that right person, then I'll be fixed. And really, we know that's false. Like, we know that if we really think about it, we know that deep down in our hearts, this is not a true statement. It sounds good, it sounds right, but it's not true. So many stories of failed relationships, failed marriages, they end in, well, I thought they were going to change when we started getting serious Or when we got married, but they never changed. Um, And this is really especially, I'm not picking on you, but this is especially prevalent in women. That you, you always, women have a tendency to always try to see the best in a man. Which is great, except, you know, you find this guy that you're interested in, and you see he's got some major flaws. Like he's got some major red flags that he's throwing up. But you feel like you can fix him. And so, you know, well, when you date or get married, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be different than the stories that I've heard about from everybody else, like about him sleeping around or, or whatever. It's going to be different because he's never met me yet. I'm, I can do this. I can fix him. The other girls weren't like me. I'm the right one. I can make him settle down. And we just know it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't work like that. Men, we, we think when we find the right woman, then I'll stop watching pornography, then I'll stop sleeping around. I'm gonna, then I'm going to stop sliding into the DMs of every female that gives me the attention that I'm so craving inside. When I find the right woman, then it's going to make me want to settle down. And it doesn't work like that. It's a myth. You think, well, I've, I find the right person, and then it'll fix me. But then if things don't work out, So, of course, you come to the determination that you just chose the wrong right person. Right? You just chose the wrong right person, so you go and find the next right person. And you repeat this cycle as many times as it takes. Then you have this other myth that's projected onto us by culture that I just need to find the one. I just need to find the one. So... When little girls are dreaming, right, they're just, they dream about the one, their knight in shining armor, like the, the one that's gonna come into their lives, that's gonna save them from their life of teenage torment because it's so bad as a teenager, and they're gonna live happily ever after. Every girl is looking for Mr. Wright. And we romanticize this idea of there being just one right person out there for us, and it's our life's mission to find them. It's our life's mission to marry them and then to build a family with them. And so we spend most of our younger years trying to find this unicorn of a person that has all the right qualities and all the right looks and uh, and likes the same stuff that we do, and it doesn't hurt if they got a little bit of money, you know what I mean? You guys don't know what I mean. Okay, just me. Cool. But we romanticize this idea, and then we start dating, and we fall in love, and then we get married, and then it's happily ever after. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about this? What if you marry the wrong one? Hang with me here. So, like, God gives us the free will to choose, right? So we could pick the wrong one. What if we don't end up with our one? Let's think about it. So your date, let's say you're, you're dating and you find this guy, right? You, um, let's call him Ben, okay? I don't know if there's any Bens in the room, but Ben, if you're single, you're about to get some attention, okay? Uh, you got Ben, and you fall in love, and you get married, and you have babies. But after all is said and done, you stand before God, and God says, yeah, that was great, but you weren't supposed to end up with Ben, You're supposed to end up with Victor. All you ladies just perked up right at the name of Victor. Like, he just sounds exotic. Like, he just sounds handsome. Victor probably has some cash flow in his wallet. You know what I mean? I don't like Victor too much. So let's let's call him Steve. Much better. Let's just call him Steve. So uh, God says, you weren't supposed to end up with Ben. You were supposed to end up with Steve. And Sarah was supposed to end up with Ben. And those kids that you had, Tom, Mark, and Julie, those weren't supposed to be your kids. They were supposed to be Steve and Sarah's kids, not Tom, Mark, and Julie. They are supposed to be John, Jacob, and Jingleheimer. Steve's last name was Smith, okay? Hey, that's my, that's my name too. No, sorry, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, man. But just by one wrong decision, you choose to settle down with the wrong person. And that means you married the wrong person, which caused them to marry the wrong person, which caused his supposed wife to marry the wrong person, which caused her husband to marry the wrong person. You have the wrong kids, and they had the wrong kids. And before you know it, in fact, you've just chose the wrong person, and you've caused all of humanity to be, to be thrown into chaos. Don't get me started if somebody steals your future husband before you get to him, Suddenly, this myth doesn't really make sense anymore. Suddenly, there's so much pressure on you to make the right decision because the fate of all humanity hinges on you finding and marrying the right one. Now, you're going to be a little more careful who you date, right? No, just kidding. Some of you married folks are sitting beside your spouse right now and you're darting your eyes, like, wait, what if they were the wrong one? Don't look at them, (laughs) don't look them in the eyes. But maybe the solution, maybe the truth is is this, that it's less about your situation and it's more about yourself. Maybe it's less about who you choose and more about who you become. You can use this same logic, you can use this same argument in really every um, big life-shaping decision, right? What sport do I play? What school do I enroll in? What major do I pick in college? What job do I pursue? What company do I interview with? Do I take this promotion or do I go take this promotion or this job that's offered at another company? There's so many decisions that are revolving around finding the right one. But maybe it's about you becoming the right one. Maybe it's less about what what school you choose to go to and more about what you do when you get there. Maybe it's less about what job you choose and more about how you impact the people that are on your job once you get there. Here's a the big idea that I want to leave you with today. We don't want to find the right one. We want to become the right one. We don't want to find the right one. We just we want to become the right one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 32 to 35 in the message it says this. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all of the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and the energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All I want is for you to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the master without a lot of distractions. See, there is a benefit of being single. All you single people in the room, you're like, man, this sucks. (laughs) I get it. But there's a benefit, and I want you to focus in on it. This, This is the benefit of being single. It's simple. You don't have anybody else to worry about. Like, you may, you, may not, <laughs> you may not think it, but all my married people right now are like, yep, it was much easier being single. You don't have to worry about anyone else. You can eat wherever you want. You don't have to go get that salad that I was talking about the other week from the restaurant you don't like. I heard about that all week. My father-in-law, I went over to their house the next, that night, and he's like, You called everybody in the church fat. (laughs) I didn't mean to. (laughs) You don't have to coordinate schedules. You don't have to to spend all this other time and energy um, storing it up throughout the day so that when your spouse comes home, you don't give them the worst version of yourself. Single life can be the simple life. In fact, when you're single, you have the opportunity to better yourself in ways that you're never going to have again. So you embrace it. We want to embrace the single life. You're you're able to devote real time to shaping your life, to developing the right disciplines, to create the right rhythms and habits in your life, and you're never going to have the chance to do it like this again. So embrace it. So while you're single, um, you should use this time in your life as a gift in order to become the person that you're supposed to be. Become the person that your future spouse needs you to be, and then become the person that God desires you to be, because you're never going to get this time again. You have the opportunity not to search for the right one, but to become the right one. And, uh, and if you're not single this morning, that's, that's still okay. You don't have to tune out, because these principles we're going to talk about in a second you, you still have the opportunity to latch onto these and, and if you apply them in your life it's still going to make you better and it's, it's still going to make your marriage better too. So we don't want to search for the right one we want to become the right one we don't want to search for the right one, we want to come become the right one. So how do we do that? How do we become the right one? Number one you need to seek God daily. Seek God daily. Psalms chapter 119, verse 9 through 11 says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Guys, it's so important in the pursuit that the pursuit of God is a daily one. It can't be a, just a Sunday thing. Like some of you church was not created so you could make this a Sunday thing. We want to incorporate God into every single aspect of our lives. We have to seek God daily. So every day you should have time that you set aside to grow in your relationship with God. That means you have time that you've set aside that you can that you pray, that you study your Bible, that you that you just meditate on the goodness of God. This should be an everyday activity for you, an everyday intentional time of connection with God. See, when you seek God daily, you're developing in yourself the disciplines that you need to build your life upon. Like, you just, you don't want to build walls on an unstable foundation. And when you seek God daily, you're you're laying down this stable foundation that then you can build your life upon. It's important for that to be a daily connection. And this is why when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, there's a moment in the Bible where the disciples of Jesus, they came up to him and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And, uh, and it wasn't that they've never prayed before or never heard how to pray before because they were Jews. You know, the Jews are devout people of prayer. The, the, there has to be something in the way that Jesus prayed that's, that was different than the way that anyone else was praying at the time. They said, Jesus, teach me how to pray. And there's a reason that Jesus prayed, and, and when he prayed, he asked God to give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our give us this day what we need for this day. Give me what I need to, in order to accomplish what you want me to do. This day and this principle, um, you can take it all the way back into uh, the days of Moses, as as Moses and the Israelites were wandering the desert. They just came out of um, Egypt, out of slavery, and they're wandering the desert on their way to the promised land. And in the Book of Exodus, chapter sixteen, we find the story of the Israelites complaining that they're starving, that they don't have enough food, they don't have what it takes to carry on throughout the day. And so the Lord tells Moses, "I'm going to rain down." Bread from heaven for you. Like, how cool would that be, right? Just bread straight from... Man, you thought the rolls at Texas Roadhouse were good? Mm, Rain down that cinnamon butter, Lord. I'm going to run. Y'all didn't know you were in a charismatic church this morning. Uh, (laughs) He said, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. So the people are to go out each day and they're to gather enough bread for that day. And in fact, um, you know, of course, the the Israelites obeyed until they didn't. And so they went out, and some of them tried to gather a little bit extra. Like God said, gather enough bread for one day, and it's going to be here tomorrow. Just gather what you need then. So some of the Israelites, who knows why, they went out and they just gathered a little bit more than what they needed for the day. And they woke up the next morning, and they went to check on their bread, and it was full of maggots. And it was... It's really smelly. And, uh, and they, it just was just ruined, as you, as you say up here, is ruined. Um, the, the principle here is that each day, every day, God wants us to come to Him, to rely on Him for what we need that day. So you can't live off of yesterday's bread. You can't live off of yesterday's relationships. You can't live off of yesterday's relationship with God. We have to live off of our daily relationship with God. Anything other than that and our lives start getting old and they start getting stale. We start losing that spark. So God is the source of everything that we need. And He wants us to seek Him daily so that we can show Him that He's all we need to fulfill our needs. He's the one that we're trusting in. So, in order to become the right one, we need to seek God daily. Number two, we need to serve people consistently. Serve people consistently. Acts chapter 20 says this In everything I did, I showed you this. I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must. Help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The funny thing about this is that you won't actually ever find this where Jesus said it in, in Scripture. That, but but Paul's making a reference back to it in this moment that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because really, the book of John says, if I wrote down everything that Jesus ever did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to hold it. But Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The word blessed, you think about blessed, what is that? You're like, I'm favored by God. Blessed means happy. Blessed means filled with joy. That's what the word blessed means. If you read all through Matthew chapter 5, and blessed is the one who is this, blessed is the one who, who seeks after this, blessed, Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to be happier when you do it this way. You're going to be a happy person. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You're going to be happier when you're giving than you are when you receive. You're going to be happier when you're serving other people than when you're living a life that's just dedicated to yourself. And here's a tip, okay, for all you single people out there, okay? Don't raise your hand. Actually, raise your hand if you're single. Look around, single people. You're welcome. Gotcha. Got gotcha you good. Man, I'm proud of myself. <sighs> you should. If y'all think I'm bad here, you should wait till I get home. Like Cassie's like, oh my god, here he goes again. Um, I lost my place. Anyway, tips for all you single people, okay? Happy people are attractive people. Happy people are attractive people. Married people, I need you to back me up, okay? Would you rather be married to a grump? Would you rather be married to a a grumpy old man? Some of you are like, I am. Or would you rather be married to somebody that laughs a lot, that has fun with you? I'm sure that the answer that you're saying is obviously someone that you can laugh together with. Happy people are, are attractive people. So, hey, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to serve. You're going to be happier when you're serving other people because God's mission for you, God's fulfillment in your soul is ultimately to make a difference in the life of someone else. Not just to make your own life great, but to make someone else's life great around you. That's God's call to all of us, that, to, that we would live our lives in such a way that we make an impact on the people that are around us. In fact, that's, that's the reason that God even established the church in general. The local church, what you see here at Summit View, but, but every church that's in the earth today, God established this local church because this, the local church, as in like the churches in communities, that is God's vessel of delivering hope and healing to the world. In the local church, this church is not just a building. It's a people. The church is you. So that means that you are the way that God chooses to bring hope and healing to the world. That he wants to work through you to do it. That, that if you let God use you, you'll serve the people around you. There's people in your life right now that they don't like Christianity And it's probably because they've only ever interacted with a bunch of mean, nasty, hypocritical Christians. That they don't live out what they talk about. Or they speak to people in such a judgmental way that why would I want anything that you have to offer? There's a bunch of people that are out there today. In fact, there may be people that you've invited to the church before that are like, I'm not going to church. I know who goes to church and I don't want to be around them. There's a bunch of people like that. In your life, and all that they may need to change their view of God is for someone to serve them and tell them, I'm serving you because God loves you. There's no other, there's no, there's no other strings attached. I'm doing this for you because God loves you. There's people out there that just may be, their lives may be hinging on just hearing that out, out of someone's mouth, out of a Christian's mouth. You mean God loves me? And you're actually doing something for me because God loves me? Yeah. There's people in your life that they're just waiting on that. All they need is for one person to prove to them that all Christians aren't the same. That they, that all Christians aren't a bunch of fakes that are running around talking about a God but living like they spawned from hell itself. You know what I'm talking about. Don't call them out. Don't post them on Facebook. Please don't post them on Facebook. Especially don't tag them in this post when you checked in here. You need to be here. Anyway. You might be that one person for them, though. All it might take is for you to to do something to serve them, to elevate them, to honor them. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling a parable it's, it, a parable is just a, a story, an earthly story that Jesus tells that has a heavenly meaning. And Jesus is telling this story and he's talking about when he returns back to the earth because he's coming back. Like Jesus was killed and then he rose from the dead and then he went back to heaven. But he said, I'm coming back one day. And so Jesus is coming back and when he returns to earth and he's standing there and God is separating his followers from the others. And the Bible says that the king looks at his right side and he says, you all, come on. You can take your inheritance because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When you saw a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. And all the people that are there responded, wait a second, I, how did I do all those things for you? I've never, I never saw you. How did I do it for you? And Jesus responded with this. He said, what you did for your brothers and sisters, you did for me. See, when we serve other people, we're serving God. When we serve other people, we're serving the one that... That really counts. And here at Summit View, we're really big on creating ways for you to serve other people. Like if you know us, if you spent five minutes around us, our heart's desire is to, is to serve our communities in ways that other people are not. So we want to bring something new to the table where we're serving and loving our community in, in, in radical ways. And so we like to create ways for you to serve other people. We want to make it easy for you to have opportunities to serve other people. So we have this group of people here at the church called The Crew. We call them The Crew. We don't like using the term volunteers because volunteers is like, hey, you pitch in uh, to what we're doing. But The Crew, we like to call it The Crew because we want you to pitch into what we're doing all doing, including yourself, like we're, we're a family, and so everybody uh, washes their own dishes, you know what I mean, so we have this group of people called the crew, and the crew has chosen uh, to join one of our teams and 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 serve all of our guests on Sundays, so everything from the people that you see opening the door to the, the people that pick up the donuts in the morning, um, that was fun this morning, that was great, uh, so there's... Yeah. I almost went full Karen, sorry, not doing it. But, but there's, always, there's an opportunity for every single person to find something, some way that you can serve other people. And so these people have joined the crew and they've said, I want to serve people on Sundays. And, and every person is different, they're using their all, all of their unique personalities and talents to, to serve in different ways around here. And I've gotten the, the question from a lot of you, um, how do I get involved at the church, what do I need to do to get involved? How do I join? Like, what do I? How do I join up in what's going on? And the best way to do that is by joining the crew. And so, on the first Sunday of every month, we have this thing called Pathway that I talked about earlier. And, and Pathway um, is that one-time event that you can take part in um, that is going to help you discover how God is how God has gifted you to serve other people. And then at the end, you get this opportunity to, uh, to join the crew, to, to jump on board what we're doing here and take part in what God is doing in our community. Because it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And guys, you may enjoy Summit View right now, but I promise you, you are going to love it when you start serving other people through it. Like the connections that you're able to build on the crew are going to be so much closer than just on a Sunday you get to come and spend an hour and, and sit with people like we just goof off honestly my wife tells me all the time she actually said last night she's like I'm running <laughs> she said she said yeah we're gifted different she said you're I'm uh, I'm I'm running around getting all these things done while you're over there having your side conversations and I'm like how am I supposed to take that positive but we just we I cut up more than she does I guess whatever Side note, that was just me complaining. Um, you know, have some sympathy, okay? Golly. And uh, so um, we want to give you an opportunity to join the crew and to take part in what God is doing in our communities because I don't believe that someone can, can call themselves a true follower of Jesus and not have the desire to serve other people. We should all get there. God has that call in all of our lives to make a difference in the life of someone else. And I promise you, I'll tell you this, I've never been more fulfilled in my soul than when I was serving someone else. And you'll also never be more like Jesus than when you're serving someone else. So if you're looking for a way to get connected to the church, to kind of find your purpose to, if you want to be happier... Okay, I'm going to give you an easy way to do it. You don't have to serve here at Summit View. It's just an easy way for you to do it. Like, you could, you could serve people at work. Buy them breakfast when you go in in the morning. That's cool. You don't have to, like, jump on the team here at church, but I would love it if you did. And so, come spend two hours with you next Sunday at Pathway. Get plugged into the church. Um, and and start, start really trying to make a difference in the lives of other people on a Sunday. Because God wants us to serve people consistently. Like you should find intentional ways in your life of serving someone else in your life. And then finally, number three, how do I become the right person? I need to surrender to God continuously. I need to surrender to God continuously. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Guys, a fulfilled life, a simple life, is a surrendered life. The number one most important thing when you start dating, when you get engaged, when you get married, when you start building a family, is to have lives that are mutually and individually surrendered to God. And it works even better if you start living your surrendered life before you find that right person that you want to spend your life with, right? Like, it works better if you, if you go into it the right way than trying to change yourself halfway through. See, surrendered, this word, sounds really like a, like a wartime word, right? Especially with everything going on on the earth. Maybe that's where your mind went to is that there's this wartime word like surrender. And maybe in your head you're picturing this big white flag that, that someone raises up to signify that they're given in. They're given up. You win. And this is supposed to sound like that. Because right now there is a war going on and it's happening over you. God is fighting a battle for your soul right now in this moment. And he has two opponents that he has to fight against. He fights against your human nature and he also fights against Satan and his evil armies. There's a battle happening for you right now. And you get to be the one to dictate who wins. So every day... You wake up and you either have the opportunity to surrender your life to whatever life has for you, or you can surrender to God. You can swim against the current, you can fight it, or you can finally give in and let the river take you where it needs to take you. Not only is there a war happening for you, there's a war happening in you. Your soul is constantly warring against itself to either obey our natural desires or to follow God's plan for our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. That means they're opposite. The flesh is wanting something opposite of what the Spirit is searching for. And what, what, in, in the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other so that you're not, a, not able to do Whatever you want. You're at war within yourself. Your human nature versus God's nature, and you're the deciding factor of which side wins. If you have two horses and they're hooked up and they're pulling against each other, try to tug each other over the line, you know which one wins? The horse that you fed the most? The horse that was strongest? When we surrender to God, we're feeding our spirit. Life doesn't get easier, but we get stronger. Life doesn't get more simple, but we get a new perspective. And if you want your future relationships to be better, more full of life, guys, you can start today surrendering each day to God's plan, letting Him guide you, letting, laying down your own desires and starting to live in God's desires for your life, which are so much better anyway. God's plan. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. It's not like you're giving up something that's worth worth much and valuable. We're giving up something that's worth nothing to hold on to something that's worth everything. You want to become the right one for somebody? You can't Become the right one without following the right way. The world has a way. The world has a path. The world has a culture. And Jesus said that it leads to destruction. It leads to hurt, to chaos, to calamity, to injury. But then Jesus says he has a way. And it's narrow. It doesn't let you live however you want to live and do anything that you want to do. But his way leads to life doesn't lead to trouble, doesn't lead to destruction. His way leads to life. You want to become the right one? You got to choose God's way that leads to life. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.